Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. We are previewing public hearings today. Today is a preview episode. We're not doing testimony. We're not listening to what people have to say. This is all about what we think. And there aren't many left because we have heard, as we've talked about in one of our previous pods, we've heard the deadline for any committee work is May 10th, right? Yeah. So today we are going to preview May 6th and May 10th. That means we're done, right, after this? I, th- I think so. I think that I think this is it. This is the, uh, the the end line, the finish zone. The you know the you know Winterfell has fallen. The end game. The end. The end. That's what I was looking for. The end game. Well, like both of those things, we're going to keep on going anyway because I'm pretty okay. sure this is not the end. Um, it can't possibly be because there's so much out there still. Yeah. So check unless out- unless 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 what happens is they say come to that deadline and they say yeah, rest of you see ya. Which you would know? be awesome. <laughs> I think that would be so great. Just, all these people put all this time into the bills, and basically they get to the May 10th deadline, and the committee goes, Yep, we're out. <laughs> we are actually going to start today with one that was added on to May 3rd public hearings, but it happened after we recorded that pod, whenever that was. So we're going to start with LD 1606 an act to increase funding for career and technical education programs. And as we kind of just said, it does say after deadline. They were after our deadline. That's what that means. Right. Not the legislative committee deadline. Although oh, no, it's all about us. That's actually what happened. But what this one is going to do, it provides an additional $1.5 million per year for the cost of career and tech education pursuant to uh, the main revised statutes. It also removes the so-called hold harmless provision that limits the amount of any decrease or increase in the total allocation for a career and tech ed center or region effective January first, twenty twenty. Oh, um, I can uh, as as no. my district has a uh, CTE center part of it, and yep. I can say that when the governor when the the budgets come out and we're trying to, in the budget season right now, and there's been a lot of funding that's been lost um, yep. from a lot of from CTE centers across across the state. And so I can imagine that the CTE center folks are saying, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. But help me with this one. It adds $1.5 million, but it takes away the, 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 the hold harmless part, which means we could decrease it all later and you can't do anything about it. Yep. So that kind of hurts, doesn't it? It's a gamble. It's a gamble. It's I a gamble. Love gambling you know, in legislature. You're right. You're get. You're well. There's actually a bill before that about sports betting uh, in the in the in Maine, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> but this this basically says, you know, I the this. You ever watched old Popeye shows? The old Popeye cartoon. Where are when you going with this? When Wimpy would say, "I would get gladly pay you Tuesday for a cheeseburger today," right? I see this as like you're getting a 1.5 million now, but you might not get something later. You might lose something later, as a matter of fact. I'm just imagining the picture that you're going to put on Facebook about this bill. (laughs) You might not get that payment on Tuesday by giving me the cheeseburger today. That's where I'm going with it. Okay. Uh, Didn't work. Didn't work. Works in my head, so that's all that matters to me. Still trying to process. (laughs) 
Let's go to the next one. We're going to talk about Monday, May 6th in the morning. We have five bills to talk about today. Now, May 6th, by the way, is the day after Cinco de Mayo, right? Okay. Which I don't know. I don't know if the Cross Cafe does anything special on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, or, I'm or, definitely going to check that out. Or the Burton Cross building at all does anything special on Cinco de Mayo, but I hope they would. And that's also the day after May the 4th be with you. All of those things are factually correct. Just letting you know what's happening that first week in May. Lots going on. May the 4th be with you, Cinco de Mayo, and May 6th, public hearings. Which starts with LD-296, an act regarding student privacy with respect to video recordings. Uh, Again, one of my favorites because it's really short. And the summary is technically longer than the actual bill, which is quite amazing. But what this one does, it requires an elementary or secondary school to keep confidential a video recording in which a student is present, including a video recording taken in a bus or other means of student transportation, and prohibits the school from disseminating or publishing the video recording without the written permission of a parent or the student. That seems totally good, right? In in some cases, yes. Okay, tell me what the some cases might be then. Sure. I'm wondering. Um, because what, well, to me, this this whole um, bill seems woefully out of technological touch um, because... I'm imagining a big camcorder that I put on my shoulder. Exactly, right. So, I mean, I know for a fact that teachers take, quote unquote, video recordings of their kids all the time. And True. they put them out on social media. They put them out on their classroom websites, etc. Uh, does this have anything to do with that? Or is this by security camera video recordings? This one says a video recording in which a student is present. Right. So that's, so that's where I think that, you know, if it's a security camera, if it's security footage, absolutely it shouldn't be going out because that should only be being looked at for cases of discipline and uh, cases of malfeasance or tomfoolery. Now, yes, as we've established, as we've established. Um, but I'm wondering about the scope of this particular bill because it doesn't really seem to take into account the amount of uh, video work that, te- that a lot of really highly effective educators use. Okay, my qu- my question on that one, I, I understand what you're saying about the video recordings, but why are teachers putting videos of their kids out on social media without written permission? Potentially. Oh, well, th- you're right. I, uh, it's the written permission part. That absolutely, they should have written permission. But, now, but they, most but they, school districts... That's our, that they already need to do that. That's part, that's part of a required right. policy by uh, MSMA. Okay, so most districts already have that uh, basically opt out, right? They have, an, they have an opt out. I'm, it's assumed that you can do that unless you opt out of allowing your child to be... Uh, photographed or, or videoed and then made public. Yeah, I'm fairly certain certain that all districts have to have that right now. Agreed. And you have, and right now with the way it's written, you you opt out of it. You don't have permission for it, but you're opting out of it. Okay. So, which I, you know, it, it does make a difference, but I think if a teacher does something 
out of the ordinary, like posting to uh, to a Facebook or something or, or to their school website, usually get permission that it was allowed just in case. You, you want to let them know that I may be putting videos out of our kids, like learning amazing things. Is that okay? Right. I think most, most of the teachers that, that I've talked to go that extra step. I know that on a, a different podcast that I have, we've interviewed some kids sometimes and we asked the parents, is this okay? This is going out. And uh, they always say yes, but they also say, thank you for letting me know. Yeah. So, so, so I, 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 I think part of the, the part that I, that I, that I missed when we started talking about was the whole, the whole key here is the written permission part. And I was looking at the whole dissemination of technology because I was just assuming that, well, you have to have parental permission to do this. Why, why is this even well, necessary? Why is this law even necessary? Because you have, we have to do it anyway. So I, I was thinking about this part too, and why laws are necessary, why this comes up is because something has happened. Right? Oh, someone did something. Someone did something they shouldn't have done. And now here's a way to really make it apparent. Don't do this unless you have this. Right? Uh, That's how really all laws are, right? Because all technically all laws are made up. Are- <laughs> yes, they are. I'm not wrong. So the next one, is LD 1331, which talks about an act to amend the Student Information Privacy Act. And what this does, it adds restrictions on the release of student data, certain information that may not be disclosed without explicit consent from a student's parent or a court order. And what the new things are that that you cannot release student data for are uh, uh, any data obtained by the operator through a survey, that is biometric or medical information. Biometric, wow. Uh, audio record, video record, or use navigational data on a student's school supply personal digital digital device when the device is not located on school property. That one seems very specific. And per student data generated on a personal digital device to a law enforcement agency unless it's a court order. So that just adds to the restrictions of, of data release. Again, this must be specifically because something has happened. This one is presented by Representative Fecto of Augusta, who's on the committee, and no other sponsors. Yeah. So something has happened, and people have asked him to put this in, is my guess. That's what it seems like. But one of those seems very specific. Uh, the other one's medical information. Where We can't do that now, though, right? Isn't that uh, HIPAA or FERPA? Yeah. So yeah, and, the, and, and who would be we we'd be releasing this stuff to? Yeah, so I think this one of, of that was one of my other thoughts as I was reading this is like, so where does this tie into the bigger picture here? And as we'll see one later today, I think, uh, talks about uh, not being able to talk to people who are funded by somebody else basically we'll get to that one oh yeah so so it's more of a uh, you know you can't be giving any kind of student data out to an organization that is, if it's not securely held on your own particular server you can't be giving it out yeah more or less more or less so we'll, we'll see on that one i'm not sure where that i'm not That's... sure about it but there seems like there's that's interesting because then you have like NWEA stuff and that could get interesting. 
It is interesting. Does it fit into biometric information, though? I'm not so sure. I don't know. Let's talk about LD512. This one's much easier. I hope, as I read it right now. Resolve to create the task force to study and plan for the implementation of Maine's early childhood special education services. It's a resolve, and it has whereases. And it's an emergency. We love all of this. So, whoa, I don't like this one. It goes on for five pages. Five pages. Oh, excuse me. Four pages and a fiscal note. And a fiscal note, yeah. So what is this going to do? It establishes a task force. We like task uh, force. Or, uh, we do, for the things I just said, to examine the national trends and relevant models of governing and delivering early childhood special education systems and the short-term and long-term costs and benefits to DOE's proposed plan to restructure child development services system and to make recommendations for a early childhood special education services program plan. Yeah, that's a good thing. I think, that's a good thing. I think this is a great thing. I mean, we, we, we know that child development services is going to be absorbed into the Department of Education at some point. It's, yep. it's, it's just going to happen. And so this is a way to figure out, all right, well, how might we ensure that our special education population is well understood and supported in that, in that age range? So the task force, the fiscal note talks about uh, how much this is going to cost and we have, you know, maybe $10,000, depends on how many studies you guys want, but the additional costs of staffing assistance can be absorbed utilizing existing budgeted staff resources. For all of those nice. who work at the DOE, you're getting restructured fairly soon. Yep. If that uh, goes All through. duties as assigned. Congratulations. Uh, the next one is LD632, which is an act to promote free, appropriate public education. I love this. Yes. I would like to promote free and appropriate public education. So again, this is where Matt wants to apply for the job of headline writer. Cause I didn't really get what this one does. How does this promote it? This bill eliminates the provision that requires child development services to provide free appropriate public education to a preschool child with disabilities who reaches five years of age between July one and October 15. If the child's IEP team determines it's in the best interest of the child to delay enrollment in kindergarten for a year. So what happens if they do decide to delay for a year? Uh, they can't. They don't. You can no longer delay for a year? You have to I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I don't like, understand it. If, uh, well, they had, that, right? they had that bill earlier in, this, in the year that had to do with, uh, you know, if, if school starts at six and if you're going to homeschool or whatnot, it, you have to be in line with uh, the years when you're in the school, whatever it was. I, I'm horribly right. it, messing up the if language you, if, of that. But. If you're going to school before age seven, which is now age six, right. if you're going to school, you have to follow the rules of the school. But you don't have to go until you're six now. But if this, if you reach five years of age between that specific time and it's, it's the best interest of your kid to stay out of school and get another year of of help and trying to mature and prepare. Yeah. Uh, what happens to your IEP through child development services? You're out of luck. Out of luck. I, I, I don't see this going anywhere simply because an IEP is a legal document. And if an IEP says, no, you need another year, they're going to get another year. I'm interested in seeing what they talk about with this one. Cause I don't really understand the point, I guess. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, like, 
like with the next one, the next one, again, as we've talked about, one of my favorites because it has a lot of underlying language. <laughs> it's LD 1592, which is an act to allow the dissolution of regional school units composed of a single municipality. Kind of destroys the idea of regional school units if you're only one town. <laughs> So, which does happen now, I guess, because some RSUs have dissolved, so there's only one town left. And what this does, it provides the steps necessary for a regional school unit composed of only one municipality to dissolve, including petitioning to dissolve, holding elections, basically runs through the whole steps, just like you do when you have uh, to withdraw from a from an RSU. There are a bunch of steps you have to go through, right. uh, 30, 33 of them, I believe. Uh, this just goes through the whole process is if I am a an RSU and I've only got one town left, I don't have to be an RSU anymore. I'm just going to dissolve and become a, a town school unit. Right. Which I don't exactly know what the difference is, but there there must be something about it. There must it. be something. Well, yeah, I don't know. And it seems it seems like this is uh, this is happening because it, it, it happened somewhere and there were no rules for it. So... Some lawyer said, no, you can't do that because there aren't any steps for a single municipality to uh, disillusion for uh, an RSU. So now there are. That's what we're hoping. And all the presenters and co-sponsors and representatives, uh, none of them are on the education committee, which should make this very interesting to see what they have to say. That was Monday, May 6th, Matt. May the 6th be with you. Uh, that's exactly how I remember it. So let's talk about Friday, May 10th, supposedly the last day of committees, although not going to happen. Can I say one other thing about May the 10th? Uh, with your, sure. with your permission? Uh, of course. Uh, hey dad, happy birthday. Uh, is he a listener? No, he has no idea what a podcast oh. is. <laughs> he wants to tune in. He, I, I tell him you don't, you can't, you don't tune into a podcast. Don't worry about it, dad. What you need to do is just tune your phone to the correct radio station that plays our podcast. Yeah, he's got a flip phone. Which, uh, no, I said your phone, not his. Oh. So that we can say the radio comes to my phone and you're just playing the podcast app and then you'll never know. <laughs> it only comes in when I'm around. That's the only thing. That's what you got to kind of temper that with. Sure. Okay. Let's go to LD718. <laughs> An act to increase funding for adult basic literacy, workplace education, and college preparedness. This is all funding and all numbers. And this one's amazing because I went somewhere else first. It was the reference to the Committee on Innovation, Development, Economic Advancement, and Business. And then suddenly, I think it lost in the mail and got sent to Education and Cultural Affairs. Yep. What it does is adds $4 million dollars in funding to the adult education subsidy to local school units that operate adult ed programs. It also has targeted funds to improve the capacity of local adult ed programs to meet uh, students' academic and work readiness and training needs. I think that's awesome. I, I think it's great. A lot of money there. There, there. That's where it's going to have some problems. Going straight to uh, allocations there. Yes. Let's go to the next one. This was LD. I have been waiting for this one. For a long time. Oh, I'll let you talk then. Because, well, well, because I... I know exactly where it's because going. Because whenever... It, this is LD 1425, and we, we talked about this in a little way with the... Uh, no, we're not on 1425 oh, not? yet. Don't give it away. 
Well, you no, you got to go in order. Oh, you skipped around on me, or I I moved my piles. All right, you go ahead then. Who moved my cheese? Exactly. <laughs> this this by the way, this is called preparation, folks. <laughs> it's so unlike us. Uh, so going in order because your favorite one is going to be at the end here. But I actually thought you were going somewhere with this one. It's LD thirteen eighty two, an act to establish computer science courses and content in kindergarten to grade twelve schools. Yes, indeed. I am excited about this one. So this one, i read the summary. It provides the necessary resources and support for K-12 schools to adopt computer science and then blah, 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 including standards, establishes a full-time rep at DOE, and there's a total of about $4.5 million that's allocated to this one. Right. And as we, as we know, computer science is it's like a necessary field at this point. Uh, it's one of those things where all students need to have um, at least a minimal amount of exposure to and, and foundational learning in. Um, I, I, it's just, it's a, I, I'm very excited to see this coming through. Where do you think this is going? Nowhere. <laughs> so people are going to uh, say the mandate of curriculum is something we have a process for. There's a process for this. And now I, I think what the, what, what the argument's going to be is they're going to say, well, yeah, but computer science has usually fallen under either a math umbrella or some other kind of umbrella, and they're trying to make it their its own umbrella. It's it, it's its own particular place, but I I don't think I have a, I have a feeling that, that folks aren't quite there yet. No, I do think it should be outside of math or science and be itself. I, I, I do, do agree with that one. Uh, I don't think anybody would disagree with that one. But what does that process originally look like? Rather than mandate, this is how you're going to do it. Uh, let's have those. Right. Kind of, let's you know what? Let's put it together. A task force which gets us some more resolves and whereas's. <laughs> and there's four and a half million dollars for this one. So it's not just, yeah, we don't do this. There's also seven figures involved in there. Yeah, it's a very steep hill to climb. It's a lot going on there. Yeah, they, they need to go through the process of putting it through those uh, resolves to update the chapter, let the legislative, do that whole thing like they did with an NGSS and social studies. They need to go through that process that's where it's going to stop. So again, if you have a resolve, make sure you get the whereas's in there. Otherwise, it's going nowhere. We that's don't support right. it. Yeah, I'm, get- I'm, all in, I'm all in favor of it. I wish it would go further. And, and please, Education Committee, please prove me wrong. Yeah, you never know. You never I would know. love to be proven wrong on this case. Lots of people on that one from both parties. So that would be very interesting to see. Uh, this next one is LD 1521, which is an act to expand skill development opportunities for Maine youth. Uh, this one basically develops an internship program for students who are 23 or younger. Uh, it authorizes participants to receive compensation options in a combination with a variable hourly wage. Basically sets up a new program to help people that are just out of school for four or five years. Yep, And I think that's awesome. I do too. Get, kids, really, get, get get new graduates skills and internships and opportunities. Yeah, I really think that would be a good idea. I don't see a, a fiscal note attached to this one nor any money attached to this one. But it's basically, we, we need to set this up. How are we going to do it? And this is a great first step, I would say. I agree. Now we'll get to the one that you were yelling at me about before, <laughs> which might have the actual longest title of any of them. It does. It's got, a, it's, got a, it's got a long title, 
and it has what's one of my favorite language from all the, the, the titles of the bills, an act to maintain the integrity of the Department of Education. I always love thing when they start with that. And here's what it's going to do. I'm going to do what's this on one breath. Ready? I'm ready. By prohibiting its promotion of policies and practices that are not based on rigorous peer review and analysis, comma, limiting acceptance of private funding in implementing and influencing state policy. You took a breath. Should be a comma there too. And retaining the home rule powers to school administrative units. For one thing, they missed the Oxford comma, and I am really not a fan of that one. They should have (laughs) that one. So this is going to do, it's got three sections. All right. So you want me to go through them and then you kind of go for it. Okay. The first one has a limit on authority. It's got an A, B, and C. So A, it's going to, the commissioner may not promote policies, programs, procedures, or experiments in public schools that do not adhere to rigorous standards of peer review and established statistical procedures for determining the effectiveness and producing clearly identified outcomes. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a mouthful. It's pretty harsh. Uh, next, the commissioner may not contract with or accept funding from private entities to implement state policies. I wonder who that's aimed at, GSP. Mm. Mm. I think he gets very specific next. Sorry, I had something stuck in my throat. Sorry about that. <clears throat> the commissioner may not maintain membership in regional or national educational organizations or associations that are funded by private entities, including but not limited to a consortium of New England secondary schools. <laughs> and it goes on to section two. The Commissioner of Education shall withdraw the state from the New England Secondary School Consortium on the effective date of this act. Right. Um, the New England Secondary School Consortium is a group of secondary schools around New England, uh, sponsored mainly by Great Schools Partnership in Portland, that is a great place for schools to get together and talk about what they're doing and how to promote you know, best practices and what are you doing and how do we make our kids uh, more interested in school keeping them in school, uh, innovative practices. Uh, and the, this bill basically says, yeah, we don't believe in any of that. Yeah, well, Just well you, you and I both know where this is coming from. This of bill course. is coming as another direct attack or assault on anything proficiency-based because there's this is one of the areas, New England Secondary School Consortium, if you go to their website, you can find things like under their resources – uh, you can find things like, oh, there's a whole thing about proficiency-based learning there. And, oh, wait a minute, there's these there's these areas where uh, states are signed on to uh, supporting proficiency-based learning or not or not uh, segregating or, or uh, whatever the word is against proficiency-based learning. So this is all having to do with proficiency-based learning. Which is nutty because there's a ton of research around uh, proficiency-based and personalized learning. Yeah, uh, so so they have a whole thing here on you know college admissions. Um, Seventy six. I'm, I'm reading from the NESSC website. Seventy six New England institutions of higher education state that proficiency based diplomas do not disadvantage applicants. They have a thing of resources for NCAA eligibility. So it all has to do with proficiency based learning, and it has no. It has to do with nothing, nothing else. This is an organization that really helped. Um, support a lot of the school districts in their journeys and, and, 
and trials and tribulations towards getting to proficiency-based learning and learning about standards-based grading and reporting and uh, personalized learning and these other areas. And why would we not want to be part of an organization where we have um, uh, critical friends and people who are around the table who are going through the same thing and going from a research base and being able to talk about it and see what practices are happening? Why would we not want to be a part of that? So I know this one is directly aimed at NESSC, but the, the part that really gets me a little bit also is maintaining membership in regional or national education organizations or associations that are funded by private entities. Wouldn't that be just about every single organization or association that exists, like the Science Teacher Association, the Mathematics Teacher Association? That means the state can't be yeah. part of those at all, and we're just going to ignore that research because they happen to get money from uh, Bill Gates. Right. What's up with that? I, th I think that would also mean that we can't be in membership with any like national charter school associations, right? Pause, pause, pause. Wondering what to say. <laughs> would it, would, would it, wouldn't that be? Or, if, or the main heritage foundation or the heritage foundation? We couldn't be part association with, associated with those. If that's a, right? if that's a trade-off I have to take, I'm thinking. <laughs> no, but but hey, if, if it's if it's good for one organization, it's good for them all. Agreed. I'm I am amazed that it has that statement and the section two, which is specifically NESSC, we're out. I think that yeah, and, that's a little offensive to me. So Oh yeah, it's it it, it it's 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 very offensive and it's the, this is an organization that has just dedicated itself to supporting schools to do what's best for all kids. How dare them? I. We haven't even got to the third part here. The third part yeah, here. Yeah, these home rule powers. It's home rule powers. So uh, it, it directs the DOE. Is, is, is a, is a, are home rules like, you know, uh, you're calling shotgun for a car or... Uh, if you want to like, this is my seat, like, whatever the home rules are, you have to follow those rules. It's my house. I think one of them is, uh, is if you land on the parking lot, you get all the money. Isn't that, oh, there you go. That's another home rule. So yeah. I think that is, thanks for the free parking. They are studying how to return home rule powers to school administrative units. Basically, uh, what I understand home rule powers to be is like, I'm going to teach whatever kids I damn well please. And I don't care about standards. I don't care about targets. I don't care about anything but me, me, me. Right. Local, local knows best. Local knows best no matter what. No matter what. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this one is going to go straight ought not to pass, not even divided. Wow. Okay. Okay. That, I, that's, uh, that's I, my guess. I think it's going to I'm I'm going divided report because it's got a, it's got two people who are on the education committee who are co-sponsoring it. One full one person who is a former member of the education committee and a former superintendent. Yep. And I am going to go out on a limb and say just ought not to pass. Well, again, what are those? What are the Vegas odds on it? <laughs> That's true. We'll have to go to betfair.com slash something. I don't know. Main education. <laughs> If we had our own part of Betfair, that'd be awesome. Uh, let's go to the afternoon of May 10th. Might be the last part of the committee, but I really doubt it. Uh, we've only got two bills that afternoon, and I think I think they're just tired by this point. They have to be. 
So this well, one both have come after deadline. They, I know, I know. So they stuck them on the last day in the afternoon when they're like, "I just want to go home for the weekend." Yeah. So for you folks who put in a bill that you know went through the whole process, we're going to go with these instead. They came afterwards. Ouch. How do you like them apples? Oh, this one is LD fifteen ninety three to start. It's an act to support infrastructure improvements in schools. This is, hey, it's infrastructure week. Yeah. <laughs> Great. This makes changes to the laws governing energy conservation improvements at SAU facilities, including amending the definition of energy services company and removes the requirement that an agreement with an energy services company must have a total contract of less than 2.5. Come on. I don't know. Oi. Let's go to the next one. I'm like, fine. That's, that's the LD 1618, an act to authorize career and tech education regions to enter into energy conservation performance contracts for school facilities. Is this one kind of related to the one we talked about wood firing being uh, promoted exclusively way back in what seems like a hundred years ago, pre-snap? <laughs> pre-snap. It might be. It might be. It, it, it's, all, it's all just about, you know, I think this is more just also about looking um, for, for, for a CTE region, not just for an individual school's but if if a, if a regional council wants to um, look at ways of you know supporting more um, ecologically uh, supportive energy conservation means they can yeah instead of having, instead of having to just be locked into whatever either their local district because you know every CTE is part of a part of an overall district um, whether what, what they do or what they say they, they can go on they can go out on their own. I think that's a fine thing. Uh, these are both for this afternoon uh, sponsored by people uh, that are on the education committee. The first one about infrastructure week was uh, representative Brennan of Portland. And this one about the CTE uh, performance contracts was Senator Carson. Uh, so there's, yep. there's obviously uh, they'll be listened to a little bit closer and with a little more information because they're being presented by people right on the committee. Uh, right. Maybe that's why they got in the aft deadline. They had some special treatment going on there. I have no idea. <laughs> they how knew that a works. guy. They knew someone. They knew a guy. Hey, don't worry about it. These these bills, they <laughs> fell off a truck. <laughs> so, uh, one of those seems like it did, but I think we went through that one enough. Uh, so that takes us to the end of May 10th and the end of this podcast. And uh, from what we hear, that would be the end of our previews, but we both know that's not true. Yeah, we, 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 we're not going to hold our breath. No, we get some time to go. That's for sure. Yeah. I All think right. So where can, but you anyway, find us? you can find us on the web or net, uh, on the social medias on Twitter at main ed matters and on Facebook at main education matters on both of those pages. You have pinned our spreadsheet that has updated lists and information about all the bills that are happening. And if you can, while you're out there surfing those inner tubes, uh, Give us a rate and a review on iTunes. Yeah, it's definitely going to help us raise the charts and beat that darn New York Times the daily. We'll get, we'll get them. We'll, we'll get them eventually. They're, they're in our sites. Yes. And with that, we're done. All right. Bye. Bye.